Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Killer Collab Podcast. Once again, my name is Tony Deaf of Florida, Tony D. As always, I'm joined with Chris Leto from Reaper Films. Howdy, howdy. You. And we have a special guest in the studio today. We've got Brandon Hyde. Brandon Hyde, how are we doing today? Good. How's it going? Good, good. Now, our audience, uh, you know, every time we try to bring somebody into the studio, we like to try to figure out well, who about the guest and uh, if they're not familiar with. We have uh, plenty of audio listeners and visual listeners and viewers. Um, tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a cinematographer. Uh, I've been doing it. You know, eight to ten years, kind of professionally. Um, over the years, I've been pretty lucky to to shoot seven features, uh, including. Uh, it's not quite out yet, but I've shot for Kevin Smith. Okay. Um, his big film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Jersey, so <laughs> dude's freaking awesome. Um, it's a movie called Kilroy Was Here. The trailer is online. Um, Kilroy was here. Kilroy was here. So it's it's a horror anthology that he wrote. Um, that we shot all of it in Sarasota, um, and then other films. Uh, actually, with Chris, I shot Crazy Lake. Um, couple, what twenty? I have yet to see that. 2015, 2016. <laughs> um, I have yet to see that. Like five, six years ago, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you got a copy of that? I still haven't seen that. Uh, there, there are no copies in existence. We have the worst <laughs> distribution deal of all time. Um, I got a link. I can send you. Yeah, I have, okay. a, I have a copy on a hard drive. That's <laughs> Brandon even my seen? <laughs> I, I have seen it. I have seen it. Oh, you got uh, the premiere. We had the premiere at uh, Sunscreen Film Festival. Okay. Back in 2000. Like, I hear so much about this movie. I'm like, where is it? They're <laughs> <laughs> fun movies. All right. Yeah. Did you guys you know, shoot the, uh, the Loch Ness Monster? Like, I can't find it anywhere. Exactly. Uh, you know, a lot of... So there's two horror films I've shot. I've shot a, a piece that was set in 1930s India that I actually shot in Orlando and in Sarasota. Um, that's personally my favorite film I've shot, not really from an editing standpoint, but from a visual standpoint. Like they, the director, Tony Stopperin, uh, let me do whatever on that film. So if you even watch the trailer, you kind of get a sense of the visual style that, we were, that I was oh. able to go after. Um, and then I also do, uh, you know, tons of commercials, uh, locally. Um, and then personal life, uh, I've been married to my amazing wife for 14 years. We have two kids. Do they um, make you say amazing wife? Did she say, no, sure but you say like, wife? you know, when they say like married <laughs> up, like yeah. that is my situation. My wife's gorgeous. She's has just a drive. So you're saying she was a settler. Yes, 100%. percent. One hundred. I mean, I mean, look at me. Like, uh, but no, we, you know, uh, she's just been a, the biggest supporter of mine from day one, and she's half of the reason. She's a bigger than half of the reason that I'm even here, being able to say that I've done these things, is because she's always been able to push That's, me. That is huge. Absolutely, to have a support system. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. You know, I basically got divorced because I wanted to make movies. Um, <laughs> No, seriously. And uh, my support system is my cat. So you know, I don't know. <laughs> it was one of those things where, I mean, we were together nine years and she decided, you know, if you want to do this, you know, if you want to take this track in your life, then I don't want to be a part of it. I'm and, like, well, this is what I want to do. So, well, I, I, okay. If someone chooses to be like with you and date you, and shouldn't they like, like understand, like be like right. totally supportive? I think they, like, I think. When, when I first approached her about it, I was like, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do, and I think I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to try to make a movie. And 
completely supportive. Oh, I think that's a great idea. You should do it, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't think she realized what goes into making a movie. Like, well, no one does. It no consumes one your that. life. Absolutely. I mean, for the time you're making that film, it, confu- it consumes you. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. All your time, all your energy, that's all you think about. And, you know, obviously, I guess she felt neglected. And I think she felt like, well, if this is going to be happening over and over, then... I don't want to be a part of it. Well, look at Hollywood. Like, how many divorces happen? Like, it's like people get date while they're shooting the movie and didn't get married, and then they shoot another movie and they get divorced. (laughs) It's like, oh, found someone else. Like, okay, you know, I choose to have that. It it really is, and I think you know one of the things that her and I have always talked. First of all, she we were married before I ever even really decided to do this. Which so she's seen the growth, she's seen like the sacrifice, she's been there every step of the way. But then also me realizing she has her needs, she has her things that she, sure. you know, oh, and she yeah. also, she's a very independent person that, that helps. Uh, yeah, that can take care of herself when I'm gone because she knows I'm going to be gone. I almost took a job in Chicago. It would take me away for six weeks uh, and just a few, like it just kind of came up, ended up not actually going on the job, but she was like, you know what? It's me and the kids. I'm trying to do this new business, but if you think this is going to you know, help for the, the career and help. Like she was totally supportive of me going away for those weeks. Um, even though it didn't work out, she was like, you know, it just tells me every time, like she's still, she's on board with this kind of crazy dream that I came up with when I was, <laughs> when I was already 22 or 23 years old, I decided I wanted to do this. And well, you started with weddings, right? I did. Um, so I went to school uh, at Southeastern University, which is in Lakeland, Florida. Um, and I was there for music and I met some guys that were doing, doing films, uh, you know, little short films, film program there. And, uh, with, with Dave DeBoard, who is now a friend of mine. Um, and I started helping them and it was just fun. So I just kind of switched over. Music got very hard. Like this started being like oral theory and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, Ooh, this is, <laughs> Yeah, um, I love it, but I don't get it. I that was kind of where I found myself. Like, yeah, like I love this, and but yeah, I, it's it, you know it just got it honestly it just got know. hard, and I it, yeah, <laughs> um, and so then I started doing films, but then after I graduated, I didn't know anybody, so we just started borrowing cameras to do weddings. I did my first wedding for like 400 bucks, which included editing. What was the camera you used? Uh, we used a friend of mine. His, his name is Chris Farrell. We used, I want to say... Like a, T, uh, like it was a T3i or something? No, it was before that. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, it was... Oh, wow. Was it a, before the DSLR? <laughs> was it like a <laughs> G100. But then like the next thing... So... We borrowed, and then, like, the next thing that we bought, or the first thing we bought, really, was a T3i, or a T2i right. at that time. Yeah. Um, and then I bought another one, and then I just kind of built it up from there. And, but then in 20, like, 2012 or 2013, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, and I tough, man. Well, they were tough, but, like, so I got decently well-known. I was being booked. I shot 50-something weddings in one year. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but I what I did what that kind of screwed myself over is I was doing all the editing as well and I couldn't find anybody that was like with my style yeah and so 2012 at the end or kind of halfway between 2012 when we were already booked out yeah I got burnt out and I said I can't 
I can't do this. So 2013, we only took like 15 or 20 weddings. And then 2014, I only did like 10 or maybe, maybe less than that. Um, and then I just started like volunteering to go on shoots and, and then like that kind of led to paid work, especially in the camera department, which is where I really wanted to be. Cause I knew I wanted to be a cinematographer even doing before weddings. Like that was the goal. That was the thing that, you know, that I was always going after. Um, and so, yeah, then it kind of took off, uh, for me from tw like 2013 to 2015. Um, and then 20, that, that next year was kind of a bad year, uh, just money wise. And, uh, I was offered a full-time job working full-time uh, as an in-house cinematographer and equipment manager for a local production company, Digital Caviar, um, whose guys I've known for a long time as well. And it was a good fit um, until the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and through those guys, I got to shoot, shoot most of the movies that I've shot because their whole goal is to be doing feature films. So that's how I did Kevin Smith. That's how I did the 1930s India film and... Uh, and some of the other projects that I've been able to shoot. And then when they had to let, you know, kind of let me go, lay me off because of the pandemic, um, I had to kind of do a lot of soul searching, <laughs> yeah. figure out what my next steps were. Uh, but I, I've stuck with it. And my last couple of months, um, really since December, have, uh, have actually gained me more money. And, you know, I'm enjoying what I do still. Uh, I don't do just cinematography anymore i also I, this weekend i was gaffing and i've also been doing some ac work you know to bring in the money but uh, yeah, yeah but i'm i'm enjoying it quite it's a bit a tough life. yeah well, um now from when I you mean, started oh good no I'm, I'm saying it's just it's a tough life and you yeah. know i've been doing it for like eight years too and sometimes you're rich one month and poor the next yep. month and you know it's it's a it's almost like a sickness though like you get so addicted to shooting that you want to shoot everything and yeah, it's hard finding work first of all. And, um, you know, I've had to take shitty jobs that I didn't want to do here and there in between just cause I wasn't getting enough work. Uh, and then, you know, all the work will start coming in and you quit your job and, you, <laughs> and, then, you get, and then you're back to square one. Yeah. Um, but I'm in a situation now where I've, I've mastered the art of, making money without actually doing any work <laughs> oh man teach me your and, ways uh, <laughs> right? I, i've been trying awesome. to get this handbook for like <laughs> for months now you know he, he's not willing to give up the details no it's fun i mean i i I, res I do resell now i go to yard sales on saturdays and find all this crap and sell it online and uh <laughs> it's been doing great i mean we made twenty four thousand dollars our first year doing it and uh it's just getting bigger and bigger nice and just me and my girlfriend do it and, um, you know, she's got a full-time job and, you know, I pick up gigs here and there and I make movies. Like that's what I want to do is make movies. So mm -hmm. that's allowing me to have the time to do that. And, uh, it's pretty cool, yeah. but my bills are shit. Like I don't have kids no more. <laughs> my kids are grown and I don't really have any, my bills are so small that I'm able to do this and live on what I make. Yeah, I mean, I'm that's, not rich or anything, but you know, we get to do what I like to do. Yeah. We try to be financially responsible. Uh, we are like they ever they call debt free. Uh, I do owe the mortgage on my house, but everything else is paid off. But then, yeah, there's those things. That's of like, what you got to do to make it, though. Yeah, like, you got to live lean. But then my daughter, you know, she's my daughter's seven. She wants to join the competitive dance team. 
which is however much a month, and you're like, okay, well, you want to give your kids those things, but right. <laughs> you look at it and you go, ah, all right, I got to pick up another, you know, another day during the month somehow, and exactly. but we just do it, you know, it's you do what you can for your kids. Yeah. So of all the movies you've shot, um. Obviously, your favorite was probably Kevin Smith, right? Working with him. I mean, it was everything that you've ever seen from from Kevin in terms of his personality, the stuff that he does, interviewing people and, and his stage stuff. Like that's just Kevin. Oh, that's yeah. not. It's yeah. not an. I mean, I even got to do a personal project for him uh, when he came. His mom lives in Orlando, and his brother lives in Orlando. And I went to his brother's house, and I just did an interview with him and his brother. Uh, and his mom was there, but we didn't interview her. And just seeing him interact with those people, right. no facade, like it's just it's Kevin. Right. And I feel like Kevin Smith is is us. Like yeah, he's the guy. Oh, one hundred percent. Started making movies because he wanted to, and you know, maxed all his credit cards out to make it happen, and then yep. he just got lucky. I mean, yeah, I mean, he'll he he'll found, tell he you that lucky. he gets lucky. He tells he'll say, and I think he's even said this in interviews, like if he made Clerks now. Right. It wouldn't even it, it wouldn't move anything. the needle at all, but because right. of when it was made, uh, he uh, he saw I think it was he talks about seeing Slackers from David Linklater, uh, like as such an inspiration to him. That's how Clerks came about, right. and then basically one person in the audience because he only had like four yeah, there or five. One, there was one person at, yeah. the, at the screening, yeah. and he just happened to know uh, Weinstein. Yep. And, and called him up and said, hey, I got a movie you should see. And <laughs> the rest is history. Like, and so, so how many people does that happen for it, now? None. You know. Like the, maybe one a year yeah, if, at the most. It, at the most. Um, the so, one guy that comes to mind is the guy um, that did Lights Out uh, that James Wan kind of took under his wing. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he did a short movie called Lights Out. And it's what? A minute and a half long and yeah, something it like that. had like a really cool ending and James Wan saw it and brought him a basically took him under his wing and now he directed the lights out feature and he's directed a couple other movies and uh so yeah it and happens, it happens it's just often. yeah it, it's not there's so much out there now how do you yeah, stand out crazy yeah there's so much out. everywhere that you look there's so many different streaming services now that just like you just find a random movie, but there's a lot of crap on these streaming services. Oh like, yeah, well, a lot of crap. But, <laughs> but they gotta get content somewhere. <laughs> so I heard a rumor that Kevin Smith took Brandon Hyde aside and said, "I've worked with a lot of Oscar-winning cinematographers, and you're just as good as they are." Is that true? <laughs> In the same amount of words, yes. He so he shot um, Tusk with James Laxton, who ended up winning Best Cinematography for uh, oh, the movie that was set, uh, set in Miami. Oh, what is the name? It won, it won Best Picture like three or four oh, years Moonlight. ago. Moonlight, thank you. Um, and after, so after I finished this movie with, with Kevin, like, yeah, he basically said, I think he even might have said on a podcast um, that I have the same temperament. I have the same eye, the same just uh, persona about me and the same abilities that that someone like Laxton has. Um, I just haven't gotten, you know, gotten my break 
right. yet or, or the recognition yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that... Do you feel like sometimes the the area you live in holds you back? Like, do you feel like you would be getting more work in Atlanta or L.A.? See, I go, I, whew, I go back and forth on this, like, a ton. Um, because part of the reason I've got to do what I've gotten to do is because of the area right. I live in. Right. And, and it is Not a small a network. It, I've, you know, and I've just been very fortunate. Um, but now that I have, if I went somewhere else, I have to restart so have the to network. Yeah. But so I can go. I shop with Kevin Smith. I, with yeah. That are so you're thinking big, big fish, small pond type of deal? Yeah. So, you know, and there's, there's kind of a back and forth on that. I mean, as we were just saying, there's so much out there. There's so many cinematographers out there. And a lot of guys are, I mean, like, I, they're good. Like, mm-hmm. they're really good. Um, so what sets me apart from them other than I have shot these things, am I the only person that could have shot these things? There's only, there's really only two of the movies I shot that I feel like I was the person to shoot that. The other ones, other people could have shot and maybe even have done a better job. It's just, I won those jobs. Um, the two. So there's a small movie I did with my, with my buddy, Kevin O'Brien. It's called at the end of the day. Um, seen it. it's, it's such a personal story, not only to Kevin, but to myself, mm. um, because it was kind of me growing up, you know, in a fairly conservative environment and then kind of growing outside that and trying to learn my place and all of that. So that's kind of what the movie is about. Um, and then the, the 1930s film that I shot uh, called Drop It Unleashed. Um, it's still my favorite project. It just fit my style. Like if, if, you were to say, Brandon, you can like shoot basically one style over and over again, and that's all you ever get to shoot. That would be like romantic drama, uh, period piece or not, but romantic drama, uh, very dramatic. You get to play with all these colors and right. and shadows and stuff. That's the stuff that I get kind of geeked out and excited about. Do you feel weird shooting horror movies? I actually I've. I very much enjoy shooting horror movies. Um, I myself am not actually a big horror fan, um, which I think in one way makes me kind of a fresh approach to how I approach horror because I'm not cliched into all the tropes. Um, But also I, it's just a fun way to shoot things. It's Mm. you want it to be freaking dark. Like, cool i'll make it as, <laughs> as dark as you want you want you know a single source room you want you want some fun different like kind of cuts that we can that we can play with uh for the jump scares and building that tension um is something i really enjoy i don't know if i enjoy as watching it right. <laughs> as much once it's done um all right what's cool about brandon is he gets pretty shit like pretty shots (laughs) and when we did crazy lake uh me and jason henny co-directed and our jobs were he was taking care of all the actors and i was taking care of the you know the camera shots and stuff and it was like just let brandon do his thing and i really didn't have to do much on that movie (laughs) just it was almost like i just watch and say all right let's move on like that was really all i had to do on that movie because brandon was I knew he was going to get beautiful stuff and you just kind of let him go. I think I, 
I told him that I wanted one more shot that we didn't get, and he ended up doing it, and that was really all the directing I did <laughs> for 14 days. It's like, uh, just go like that. Yeah. Perfect. No, there was, like a, there was a, a scene where the girl was rifling through her suitcase to find a knife, and she held the knife up. And oh, I was yeah. like, I want a shot, like a front shot of her holding the knife up and looking at it. And he resisted a little bit, but I got my way, and he shot it, and we ended up using it in the movie. Yeah. But that was really, I think, the only thing I had to say. I mean, everything else he just covered, and we had a pretty awesome crew, and the lighting was amazing in that movie. Yeah. Like, we got some really badass stuff Especially in that the movie. nighttime exteriors. Yeah, the night stuff, like the nighttime stuff, and, um, you know, the, the, what comes to mind is the uh, opening uh, campground scene with the two people smoking mm-hmm. weed and talking. That stuff looked great. And then... Um, you know, when Marco was walking out the back, yeah, looking with the I flashlight still, that's, down. It's actually most, some of that's amazing. in my, in my current reels. Yeah. Even I, though it was from so many years ago, I still, yeah, just amazing stuff. I love it. Um, but yeah, we had a really good crew and it was a fun shoot. I mean, we all lived in the cabin for two <laughs> weeks and I mean, there was like, I think 26 of us Something like that, and we all yeah. fit in the cabin. Like it was crazy. And then one bathroom. So that was cool. So it was not like the not like the cabin we did for Naked Campbell. No, it was like no, it was a, it was a pretty nice cabin. It, basically, the cabin looked like someone ran into Cracker Barrel and stole everything for sale and put it in this cabin. Like that's exactly what it looked the like. First time I went there, it was like going through the house, like looking at all the weird trinkets. Oh, there's so many weird things in there. That's funny. That's but funny. yeah, I mean, it's a it's a country decor. You know, they had a big mouth Billy Bass on the wall yep. and like all these weird little trinkets and. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a Cracker Barrel. Seriously. Yeah. Well, set design was done. Yeah, we had no set design. Yeah, yeah it was already <laughs> there when we got the place. But uh, so it was, it was a like every shoot, man. So it was like, like everything you can get from a, like a, what, a, a land sale or a, a yard sale, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like just random trinkets. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. Though. So you felt uh, at home, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <for sure>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was a fun shoot. And um, I think it was cool because we could literally just set up the room to shoot go to bed, wake up and go downstairs and start shooting. You know, we could, we were able to set up ahead, ahead of time where if you got a bunch of locations, you got to trek everything to the location, yep. yeah. set everything up, shoot, and then take it down. And, you know, it takes time where this was just, I mean, every, we were there, you know, we only had one other location. Yeah. One was a little the first, the first day we shot a couple of like other little spots, yeah. uh, just to like build up the story. And then we shot yeah. some roadside stuff, but then everything else, everything else is at the cabin. Um, and which there for was a bed for everybody. Yeah. There was a bed. For, they had pull out beds. People were pulling beds out of the closets. <laughs> like it was crazy. Wow. Which for indie filmmaking, like that's, that's what you, gotta that's what you have to do. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I admire what we did for that reason, because Having that many people in a house, especially with someone like me, that I'm I'm a big introvert. Um, I like my space. I like my time. Yeah. Uh, I would know. end up sleeping in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> we probably yeah, had. There was somebody in the tub at all times. Yeah. <laughs> like all the males had to pee outside because there was always somebody in the bathroom. Always. Wow. So luckily, I, I live. I didn't live very far away from there, so I was able to go home and shower. And, yeah, but I live like an hour and a half. Yeah, everybody <laughs> Where was that? It was up in Brooksville. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I was living in Spring Hill at the time, so it wasn't yeah, it's not far. too bad for me. I was able to. Even where you live now, it's not home. that far, is it? Like, yeah. It's 30, 35, no, it's about an hour. Almost an hour? Yeah. I never drove it up there. Uh, but I didn't think it was that far. Wow. But it was cool. Yeah. I mean, me and Jason were looking for locations, and 
um, I saw this one online and uh, I showed him and he, he was like, oh my God, this is like perfect. And then we sent it to Todd and then Todd was, we were having trouble booking the place. Um, and then finally, I guess Todd called the owner and, and booked it and, um, you know, we ended up shooting there, yep. but it was perfect. It was great. Yeah. Now, Brandon, fr from what your early days, how do you think your style has changed and evolved from, like, are you more stylistic, artsy, more gritty? How would you describe your um, style from beginning to now? From beginning was, you know, those learning things, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, honing honing the things that you see, the, trying to replicate things you see, reading a lot, um, looking online for tutorial. Like, that was basically my, like, I went to film school, but my cinematography school was a lot of online, uh, American Cinematographers Magazine, um, just when I decide I'm into a subject, I just I'm full full into it, and mm -hmm. I, I learn everything I can about it. But then I always feel like I kind of get to a point where I need to uh, implement these things that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, so that started. So the whole learning about everything started in like twenty or. Bleh, 20 no 2008 <laughs> oh, i'm old um i graduated college in 2007 <laughs> that <laughs> that happened all the way i want to say to like 2018 so probably a good decade and now i feel like not that i can't grow anymore but that what i'm going to see online because a lot of that is geared towards learners and, and people that are just learning. I feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm a master, but I am a professional. Um, so I feel like, but stylistically, I think my bases are still the same. Uh, Chris, Chris just said it. My wife says it all the time. Like you shoot pretty. That's, and it's not a knock towards me, but like there are people that like their styles, they just shoot gritty or they right. shoot and stark. Depending it's, on the movie, I mean, there's yeah. different styles for every movie. Yeah, I mean, and I found footage movie, you don't want it to be pretty. Yeah, you know what I mean. If but my instinct, even for something like that, even found footage is to still to is pretty. to make right. it look pretty. Uh, yeah. So I do a lot of soft focus, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of very soft light. Um, you know, I'm going to throw in a light in the background wherever I can. I'm going to have light streaming through windows with, with some atmosphere to, right. you know, kind of brighten it up. And we did a lot of that on Crazy Lake. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of, you know, that's part of learning what I like. I have a lot of stuff usually kind of in the foreground to obstruct the frame a little bit so that your eye really focuses kind of where I, where I want it to go. Yeah. Um, right. And it's funny because when you, when you realize that you have a style – um, you can, I mean, everybody has a style obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can like, like I have my own style and I see other movies and I'm like, Hey, I do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm sure you see that too, oh, yeah. where you're kind of like, wow, I got the similar type of style as this person. Um, you know, the, the difference is you've had a lot of, um, you've worked on a lot of bigger budget stuff, obviously. Um, I've always worked on like the $3,000 movie. <laughs> so it's a challenge when, you know, you have to handheld and pull focus yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, light everything yourself and you don't have a crew to help. Um, do you feel like the crew helps oh, a lot? Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, most of my, not all of my movies, but most of my movies have, uh, my gaffer has been Andrew Ortoski and he and I just 
think about narrative like very similarly. Um, so I'm just like Andrew. This is a scene. This is kind of blocking general. This is kind of where you know what I think we should do, and then I just let Andrew and the right. the G and E team just go do that. Um, I used I used several different operators. Um, I end up operating a lot, which is something I actually don't like doing. I, I like to be able to be at the monitor and kind of see the overall. But budget wise, uh, even if I am on bigger stuff, like they just a lot of times don't budget for an operator. Um, so, but those guys are what all the stuff that you were talking about the the pulling the focus, the keeping the camera running, making sure the cards are. Like, I don't have to think about that stuff. So my first ACs, my AC, my camera team, even my DIT will go, will come to me and say, hey, um, this shot that you've got is a little overexposed or, uh, or you know, it's underexposed. We're, like, trying to give me a range of where I've been shooting so that I can either, A, go back and shoot it, which I hardly ever have time for, but, B, I'm not doing that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe it's a camera I don't know, or maybe I... I mean, I make mistakes. I, I make mistakes all the time. Yeah, so going in the back of my head, like, okay, that shot was overexposed. Uh, when we were in the bright sunlight, I was shooting at, like, a 2.8. I probably should have closed down to a 4. So now in the back of my head, that's just something that's that's back here. Um, so that it's people propping me up, letting me talk to the director to understand what the director's seeing. Because my job is to pull... The image out of the director's head right. and put it on screen mm-hmm. by camera and, and light. Um, some directors are really good at communicating that. My So my buddy, Kevin O'Brien, uh, who I shot at the end of the day, I've shot a lot of his stuff, a lot of commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. He's so fantastic at communicating exactly what he wants. Right. Uh, so I very much enjoy that. But then I have other directors that I've worked with that just kind of let me go. <laughs> uh, they let me go, but there's always that part of what me. What do you like better? Do you like well, the director telling you exactly? I like the collaboration it? of it, um, but when I feel like the director isn't giving me a ton of feedback, I'm going. Do they just not like what I'm doing, or is this what they want, or am I just directing this movie? Like, you know, there's kind of that like insecurity that's built with which is one reason i think i don't like directing is because you're looked at for everything and i just want to focus on the visual tone of the the film which is why i think i gravitated towards cinematography um i like the collaborative process of we go through we go through all of our references we get photographs paintings movies even listen to music uh we're sending each other back and forth we're shooting you know what we call pitch decks of this is, you know, these are my references. These are his references. How can we cross-reference them um, so that when we go to shoot, I've already shown my gaffer, uh, you know, this is this, the color tone or the, the light tone that we want. Right. Um, that always makes me feel secure in, in what I'm shooting. Where I don't like is when I just kind of, you know, when either I or the director shows up and is like, here, we're going to do this thing. And I'm just like, ah, okay. I'm making, like, I'm, and, and other DPs are totally, like, to go, they like to walk into a room and create from there. I'm a little bit more planned out. That's how I am. Um, and that's, yeah, I, that's, I'll walk in, kind of look around, see what we got. Yeah. Figure out the scene and then do it. Yeah. And 
Um, I like, we don't use like shot list though. Like we didn't use a shot list on crazy. Like, do you no, I know I, I'll do it for commercials and smaller stuff. I, I generally stay away from it with features because it changes so, so often much, right? that I've spent five or six days of my life for something Nothing. the first day that's going to get <laughs> thrown out the window. Um, unless it's very specific. Now, like if there's an action sequence or something, I will shot list that together. And then I'll also do, um, uh, if I can do some pre-visualization so that my stunt coordinators, if we have any stunts or, you know, if it's anything like that, like editing wise that, you know, sometimes you have to do one thing over here, but then three days later, do some like one shot over here. At least we know sequence wise that that's, gonna match up you know i did a sequence for a movie called burning the dolphin it's uh, a lower budget family friendly film um and the big sequence the the thing that kind of you know the, the side inciting incident that sets the whole story off um i shot over a period of like two weeks so we had our on the water day which was which was stunts and boats and all this stuff then we had a Another day that was in the water, which was two weeks later, um, with with actual dolphins that were at uh, Marine Land in St. Augustine, and then like two weeks or three weeks after the movie was shot, I actually had to do a pickup shot in somebody's pool. But because I had already done the sequencing, I knew what I what I needed. And so when you watch it in the movie, it all happens in fifteen seconds. Yeah, that's crazy. But you have no idea what, what I had to do to kind of, you know, get all that together. Yeah. I think that's critical for a cinematographer or, or a director is to be able to basically edit in your head. Um, yeah. To know what coverage you need and what needs to be cut together and, where. And uh, I think that's a Honestly, Kevin, like, I, I don't name drop, but like watching Kevin Smith work because he does all of his editing taught me so much about that he would we, we would do kind of blocking they would send them out and then i would watch him just in his head just going here's your da, 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 yeah. da. okay this is what we need because right. um, he is a director that at least for that film i don't know about other films but for that film show up on set let's walk through it and go so that was a little yeah. stressful for me because I, I like to be a little more calculated but knowing that's the director's style that's what we went in with right. Um, and so learning how to be, you know, one of the things they did on clerks is they didn't overshoot. One of the things he does that he says on other movies he did was he did overshoot and he hated it. Right. Yeah. So learning how to be minimalistic, but still telling your story, um, and allowing, you know, the, the actors to play in the space and, and and all that. I learned a lot from Kevin in, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched him. I watched one of his. Actually, it was the 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 one where he ended up having the heart attack backstage. It was um. I think it was Kevin Smith's Silent but Deadly. Is where he's just doing a stand up. Yeah, thing. yeah, it was. I a, just watched yeah. it like last week, and um. I forgot where I was going with this. He was saying. <laughs> uh, shit, what was I gonna say? Um, that. Now, when you shoot, uh, is there, is the editor usually on set with you, or are you editing it, or how does it? No, I don't. I don't do any editing personally. I'll I'll help 
do smaller stuff here and there, um, especially if they're like here, but something you can turn around in a day. Yeah. Um, well, I was curious about the if you're if you if you are shooting in like raw, like like you have a let in mind, like do you have like usually I have a color grading. Yeah. So um, you'd have to um, give to the editor or have the editor give input. That's why I was curious if uh, they would. Yeah, like it's kind of a it's a process that I did. I have found has been different for every movie. Um, like the Bernie the Dolphin, we did a one and two. Um, I didn't have a let for that. I just what I showed on the monitor, I shot that uh, on the, the Red Geminis. Hmm. Um, so I shot those, you know, just R3D file, uh, which is their raw their raw file. Um, but the what I was putting out to the monitor was basically a, uh, a 709, just a yeah. basic color yeah. correction. And then it got sent to New York, and I was working with the colors there to, you know, pull and... Push push blues here, pull back the reds here, blah blah blah. You know, uh, massaging it until we kind of look, and then letting letting the, the colorist go uh, full bore with that. And then I would give like little notes, like, "Oh, this is too green." Um, yeah. With Kevin Smith's film, I wanted to give him an idea of exactly what we were shooting, so I had a LUT that was already built into the cameras. So when it got sent out to the monitors, yeah. you were seeing. I mean, we always did. T- tweaks but we were seeing exactly what i was hoping would end up being the final product when i'm shooting those movies that's just a reference um because it's all coming out super flat anyways uh it doesn't really matter what camera i'm shooting unless it's a dslr um it's i'm gonna do it in a flat profile so that we do at least have some latitude to you know what if i picked a lot and then we decided you know what that doesn't make sense at all yeah because now we put it together and it just doesn't it doesn't work. Well, to the basic viewer, like they don't understand like like how difficult it is just to put this together. But when that you see a LUT or you see they don't understand what the LUT is and how it actually changes the story. Like it changes the entire tone oh, yeah. of the story. It changes how you're looking at the story. It changes even the colors of the leaves, the sunlight. Like yep. you, they don't realize how much they're being manipulated through just the colors within the scene. You know, what the the movie that uh that really opened my eyes before I even knew anything about filmmaking, but the to use of color was The Matrix, which ended mm-hmm. up being my favorite film of all time. Just the first one. The other ones don't exist. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but seeing how they used blues and greens um to tell where you were and like, you know, and then inception even took it further, which is my second favorite film of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how they used warm tones and cool tones and white for, I think it was level three, like how they're, you know, they're, they're not only telling you something, but they're also showing you, uh, emotionally where these characters are, are kind of are, uh, yeah. you know, those movies are a little bit more complicated, but it was the first time I started noticing it. Um, and now when you see stuff, you know, Zack Snyder has his very washed out kind of bland look, which I personally am not a fan of. Um, and slow motion everywhere. Oh, my God. Everywhere. Justice League, the <laughs> release cut could have been like two and a half hours. <laughs> With all the slow motion. Um, but, you know, but that's his look. And that's, yeah. that's what he goes for. And then there's, you know, there's other films that I think kind of miss the boat sometimes with their yeah. coloring but then you know like m night Shyamalan, like say what you will after a couple of movies but the village 
is such it's almost a master class in color hmm. uh and then you look and you see the roger deacon shot it and you're who is oh. a god of <laughs> god among gods in cinematography and you go like oh okay of course um but you know those it's the use of color is so big and it's such an understated part hopefully it's understated uh, that oh, people yeah. don't they don't you know yeah. recognize um, well they don't realize that art like they, they they think just the director is like just shooting through the camera they don't realize there's a different LUT they don't know like the different stages of LUT yeah. they don't they don't know what that what the, well like I said they don't know what it's doing to them like you put James Gunn for example mm -hmm. like he shot that this the second Scooby Doo like the second Scooby Doo movie <laughs> like you know, like you look at that and then you look at Guardians of the Galaxy like yeah you, like, Sorry, I like the second. No, I do too. Oh, the I first do too. Was really I mean, bad, but the second one was like, "Hey, this is Scooby Doo." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the first like, one you were just kind of like, <laughs> "Yeah, what?" I don't on? even know. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know if I saw the second one because the first one the I was one like, was hey. actually good. I had all the monsters yeah, from all was, the movies. Yeah, I think it was from the, all the shows. shows yeah. And, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> was it called Monsters Unleashed or something like that? Yeah, Monsters Unleashed. You know what? I think I did see like one time. Yeah, and the first one took place on like a tropical island. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but then that one had Scrappy Doo, like a character that no one wanted. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like oh yeah, thanks for bringing back the character that no that one liked. Everybody <laughs> hated for forever. Yeah, um, so, so let's bring him back into the movie that we've been waiting for. You know, and and someone <laughs> like like James Gunn, like I'm sure those were shot by different people. Guardians of the Galaxy was, and Scooby Doo were probably I would assume were shot by different people, and so the director and the DP slash you know cinematographer. Direct photography, DP, cinematographer, all interchangeable. In case nobody yeah. really understands what I'm what I'm saying, that that's such a unique relationship that you can't define. Yeah. I've worked with directors that I just can't connect with, mm -hmm. but then I just worked with a guy this weekend. Uh, I was actually gaffing for him, and he was DPing. We just had it. I mean, an instant communication of like i knew what he wanted before he really knew and like to have that communication between the dp and the director or even the dp and the gaffer is you can't honestly in your movie if you're making a movie you can't put a price on that so yeah my gaffer is andrew ortoski uh who's brilliant he he just he understands light um i'm hesitant to do a movie without him uh, because I don't know if I'm going to find somebody that I can communicate what I need as much as, as well as I can to him. Um, so, uh, you know, we all know filmmaking is about relationships and finding those people that you work well with is, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's almost priceless. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, when you find somebody like Chris and I have been talking many weeks. Like when you find a small crew that you can work with and rely on, and like you have an understanding and you your work habit, the work ethics, and it's very key. And especially in this, like the smaller micro budgets, where you know money, like time is money. So basically, when you have that crew and it's able to pr produce a lot mm -hmm. more in a shorter period of time, and you know it helps like move things along a lot quicker. And rather that's than, awesome when you when you click with somebody and you yeah. know you have the same thought process and you understand each other. And, um, it's, it's hard to find that. Yeah. Um, you know, me and Sean have been doing stuff since I first started in 2010 and obviously our movies are, aren't for everybody. Um, which <laughs> to say what least. movie is really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're not going to make a movie to appeal to everybody. I mean, yeah, 
everybody's got their niche. I don't even like every movie I've made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, I hate all the movies I've made. Um, but we, we, we know that – like we, me and him just made a, a feature film called Zed's Dead, and it's a spinoff of Pulp Fiction, The Pawn Shop Owners. And we made a feature film for eleven hundred dollars. Eleven hundred dollars, like that's insane. Yeah. And we're already, it's already profitable. We haven't even released it yet. It's already profitable. And we shot the movie over, I think, five days. So we shot a feature film in five days for eleven hundred dollars. Like, not many people can do that. Nope. And we've got this formula now where you know I shoot and edit. He directs and we both kind of write together and we just make all this stuff. And people, I mean, we got a niche audience of people liking it. I mean, we sold, I think, a, over like 100 DVDs on the Indiegogo. And it's cool when you can collaborate with somebody like that and just make stuff. Yeah. Like, I love, I don't care what it is, I love making it. Yeah. And, I um, mean, oh, yeah. Part yeah. of the reason I'm in this industry is just because of the people that. I've, you know, I found in film the people who thought like I did. Right. You know, and, and the, uh, not only just like, do we like movies, but like, we just talk about like whatever crap we want to. And that that's just a continual flow. Like I, like this is being brutally honest. Like I don't find that with everybody. Like I have a hard oh, time absolutely. communicating with, with people. Um, cause I'm in my head a lot. Uh, my wife. Like I do, so I do fantasy football a lot. I play a lot of video games. I watch a lot of movies and I make movies. And my wife is like, why don't you, like, what's wrong with you that you don't like to connect to real life? Because everything you do is like a fantasy. Except for the video games. I I always watch movies, making movies, and now I do the yard sale thing. But that's cool though, because that's something me and my girlfriend do together. Yeah. And, um, you know, we hit the yard sales every Saturday and we list everything and, we pack the stuff up together and ship it out, and it's something that we kind of connected on, yeah, um, and that we do together. Yeah, and so, so you you found we found something. You found something. Right? I mean, so when I went away to LA, um, I went away for six months to finish up school, and when I came back, my wife and I were kind of at this weird. I don't want to say an impasse, but like this weird, like I had gone and experienced something that had kind of changed me because I really, really found myself when I was in LA and then I came back and a, that environment was gone for me and B, I had already experienced this thing. She was trying to learn who I was and we had never really watched TV together, but we started watching lost mm-hmm. together and it gave us a common thing. That's huge. And we just like, we just burned through it. It gave us something that kind of, connect to and talk about and like I, d- I don't say that lost saved my marriage but it helped my marriage right. and but that was that 10 years ago when lost is over you're like well right, yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so we went on and found other shows we we've watched scrubs together which Very both nice. of us love we we watched west wing uh recently it's been schitt's creek uh which I is love creek. oh my That's gosh such a funny you know it took me a, it took show. me like I'd say like three episodes to kind of like get it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like the first episode, I was kind of like, eh, I don't see the hype. Like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But then after the third episode, I was like, all right. I so get it. for me, like this I love, so I've seen, I've seen all of it 
like basically three and a half times. Um, the first time watching it, loved it. Second time, season one and two, I was like, there's just something, I, I'm not sure. And then when they introduced Patrick right. to the mix, which is sometime early season three, that's to me when the show yeah, flourishes and becomes its own. And from, I mean, it's, I've said for a long time, like my one of my favorite, or my favorite TV comedy has been Arrested Development, but Schitt's Creek is pushing yeah. that Schitt's very Creek's hard. Something. Yeah, I have yet to see I that. I love the sister. Like, she's... <laughs> <laughs> I love... Uh, to me, I'm, I'm like, I'm really into, like, teen dramas, comedies, horror, like, mm-hmm. teen stuff, like, high school stuff. Um, I really like 13 Reasons Why, um, Bring It On, like, Mean Girls, <laughs> like, crap like that. I, I love it. I don't know why I like it, but I You do. like it. It's fine. And, um... They always have that, like, the way she talked and carried herself and stuff, like, it just appealed to me. Like, I thought yeah. it was so funny. And, um... Yeah, see, for uh, me, it's David. Like, super cute. You it's, know, like, it was just a funny show. I but, think I uh, give up on shows too, so, too soon. Uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll watch one or two episodes. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not Like, it. <laughs> yeah, I will give a show just as long. So, you can be mad at me for this or not, but I watched two full seasons of Breaking Bad, and I was just like... Get into it. I don't get it. I, I can I, see. I can see that. Um, see, I don't like Breaking Bad. Either. Like the later episodes yes. got more <laughs> intense. Yeah, you don't. T- Tony don't like Tarantino, so. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Tarantino, don't like man. Tarantino <laughs> yes. We, we could go on like a thirty-minute. <laughs> <minute. laughs> well, with Breaking Bad, I liked. I liked his. I can't think of his name. I, I liked Walter him. White. I'm sorry. Walter, Walter White. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eisenberg. Um, I like him. Like, I like, like, the range he has, but I just don't like, I, I just couldn't, the story, I just couldn't so connect with. I I've like, done a lot of... So you never finished it? Just I never finished it. I watched, like, two, and then, like, into season three, and I was just like, eh. <laughs> for me, and this is, again, this is all me, which is maybe maybe one reason I don't really care for Tarantino and, and a couple other, like, uh, Nightcrawler uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal. A lot of people like that movie. I don't really care for movies that have a character go from being a good character to bad with no real redemption. I'm sure in Breaking Bad towards the end there is, but all I ever saw and, and like in Nightcrawler uh, that really sticks out, which is where I kind of started recognizing this about myself was all it was, was just a slide into madness without like any redeeming factor to that care. I need to have somebody to root for. Right. I need, and and that might be a cliche version because like, you know, now, nowadays in storytelling in movies, you just have like, you know, almost like slice of life things that happen to good people or you see bad people or whatever. I like to have, you know, the very like three act structure. Yeah, I do. You know, there's a lot of movies and shows lately that, I'm I'm rooting for the bad people, and I'm kind of like, I, I take a step back, and I'm like, these are horrible people. And I'm like, <laughs> I want them to win. Like, it's so it's such a weird well, it, dynamic. It, it gives you the aspect of like professional wrestling. You know how they do the face turns and heels. Like it's, mm. it's, it's almost exactly like that. Like like Hulk Hogan went bad. Right. Like when he went bad, people were like, no. <laughs> and what's funny it's, is the same thing with movies. <laughs> and I know why that happened. Um, I made a movie called Rough Cut. Um, with Jeremy Westrate back in 
2012, I think we made this movie and we had no budget. Like we had no money. And the movie was about a guy that's a filmmaker and he loses his budget to the investors. They take it away from him. And he's so obsessed to make the movie that he starts abducting random people, <laughs> torturing them, killing them and filming it to make a movie. And throughout the movie, you find you're, you're rooting for him. I mean, his wife's a bitch. Tanya Christensen was his wife. And mm-hmm. she's just so nasty to him. And you start rooting for him because he's the main character of the movie. Even though he's doing all this horrible things to the people, you're, you're no, you know him. Like, you're getting to know him because he's on screen. And everybody else in the movie, other than Tanya, was a random... Just, yeah. Like, we didn't even give them a name. Like, we just no gave them... No character development. Yeah. We, we, they were just body count like that's all they were that yeah and you're rooting for the bad person because that's all you know in the movie like there's nobody else to root for really see and for me i haven't i haven't seen that film but if there seemed to be a glimmer of hope of redemption or of turning turning the corner then i could be behind that but if he just stays that way yeah i mean he was just an insane person yeah and at the end of the movie he gets his movie in a film festival like that's the the redeeming thing about it and it's just so <laughs> weird that you're rooting for this guy and he's just you know he's torturing people and <laughs> like cutting heads off and like doing all this weird crap to people and um you know it's just a weird dynamic when you when you realize you're rooting for bad people well it's just like saw saw's pretty much the same. there's no character development but then you're you're like jigsaw you're like okay he's a sick guy he's trying to you know have people have like you know, redeeming qualities for people. He's trying to give yeah, them a imparting reason. imparting a lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, say, and like I said, there's no character involved. You just know that these people did shitty shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then ultimately, he's just trying to teach them a lesson and, you know, show them what life's worth living and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like I said, they, but they have no character development. We, I don't care if they die or not. Like, oh, he did some, he took someone's purse. Now he's dying? Like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Same thing with, uh, have you seen Den of Thieves? Uh, who's in that? Um, uh, Gerard Butler, uh, Fifty Cent's in it. Uh, okay, they, yeah, they, they rob like yeah. uh, they they rob banks and stuff. Um, again, that's another movie where I was literally rooting for the bank robbers, you know. But they made the cops and the, the cops were terrible. dicks. Like, yeah. they were terrible people, and you found yourself rooting for you know the bad people in that movie and i it, really like that it's an interesting like psychological it's yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's weird what happens in your brain when you're it's, watching something well look what the fast and furious started they were all bad guys <laughs> yeah, <same laughs> like, now, they're, now they're good guys now they're family <laughs> yeah yeah and then now they're like helping the cops <laughs> and you know interpol and all that i stuff. randomly <laughs> see those movies like I've seen probably like one, three, six, and like, whatever, and what like I'm just like, oh, I'm I know exactly where we are. Like, <laughs> they're, just, they're they're mindless entertainment that don't take themselves too yeah, seriously. Yeah. They, they just like to blow shit up, and it's like each each movie the stunts get like crazier yes. and crazier and crazier. Yeah, they just defy just like, science. What the hell are they gonna every... come up with this time? Oh, they're jumping from one building to another building in India. Yeah, okay. I saw. I was, and I now, saw they're that one. <laughs> now they're going in space. Now they're going in space. I think my favorite stunt of those was uh, they drove off a cliff, and the car's going down and down jump. into the water, and then like the last second they jump. And they're okay. They jump up <laughs> from the car and they're okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's fine. But that's got to be fun, like coming up with 
Like, just like what, do we, what can we do now? <laughs> yeah. Up the uh, what would people possibly believe have could happen? <laughs> like we don't want anyone to really do this, but <laughs> let's just jump from a <laughs> flying car. <laughs> the one I don't remember which one it was, but when there's two cars and they're playing a game of chicken, but neither one of them pulls off and they do a head 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 on yeah. crash and they both just walk away i'm like right. my god <laughs> go like 90 miles an hour. yeah and one of them doesn't have uh, airbags like yeah. like that's when vin diesel's character and jason statham character do that uh, do that crash yeah. like what the hell <laughs> yeah, they got a little crazy well, but you know what nine's gonna come out i'm yeah, gonna go see it i'm gonna see and, it too uh, I'll enjoy watch it. it at some point, like <laughs> ten years down the road, and be like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. Actually, I remember when I saw the very first one. My friend Chuck had got free tickets or something. And we went and saw it, and we left the theater we're like, like I didn't even know what it was. When we went <laughs> and saw it, and I was like, that was actually a fun movie. Like, yeah, the first one. It was fun. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and, and what was cool is they dove into the. It was a the, subculture. That culture, yeah. you know, and yeah. and you got to see what really, I don't know if it's what really goes on, but. You know that kind of scene, and uh, I mean it's over dramatized, of course. But I, the I, I, it's the cool car. The car scene is very big, like you know, in Philadelphia and Jersey, like there's always car shows, and yeah. it's generally like that. Like you got these souped-up Hondas or Supras, and all that. It's a, it's a real culture that people like. There's car clubs, just like there's biker clubs. It's basically the same thing, just right. different, uh, just you know, different groups of people. Like it's, you know, I don't know. I think it, I think it did open up that a little bit, and then you see car shows everywhere. Like that's right. when a lot of people started to, to look at the I forgot what auction it is, uh, but they I, I've seen more ratings on that than a lot of different things be, be because of those movies. Yeah. You know, same thing with Gone in sixty seconds. Mm. When Gone in sixty seconds, everyone wanted found like wanted the, the Shelby GT five hundred. Eleanor. Yeah, El- everyone wanted that car. <laughs> now that car shoot up, shot up to like a hundred grand to sell when it was just like for ten grand sitting, you know, nice and shiny. You could buy it for ten grand. <laughs> now it's a hundred grand. Like so <laughs> you can imagine what Fast and Furious was like for me. I grew up basically on a farm, a small farm. Uh, like at one point it was 15, now it's five uh, in Tennessee. Pretty conservative area. Uh, you know, cars weren't like a, like a big thing. Like my dad's a mechanic, but it's more like tractors. Yeah, tractors. My dad worked. You know, my dad's worked in the the trucking industry for for decades. Um, and so like to see something like that, this whole of the culture that exists, you know, around the world, uh, but really in like LA, which I believe is where the first one was set. Like my mind was, <laughs> was kind of blown, uh, blown about, you know, something like that could exist. And, and I think that's something that's, uh, has always attracted me to movies. It's like, you get to see stuff. You just never thought you could get to see or you didn't know existed or you know any of that um i love space movies like sci-fi movies even the hardcore ones like ad astra and uh some of the ones that netflix has put out a couple that are all like very like you know space oriented and I'm. I'm so just you're gonna look so furious in space. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you like Leprechaun in space? <laughs> did you like that one? <laughs> Jason X. You know we talk about Jason X. Like oh, I think there's only a couple redeemable qualities for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Still has the best. One of the best kills ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I like what they did with that. It's fun. Like I told you, it was in the video game now too, right? That's yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so funny. It puts her in, her face in the. It's a uh, what is it? Liquid CO2, nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen and smashes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it 
<laughs> interface just shatters. It's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, I, I, the th- thoughts that people come up with to do some of these kills. It's yeah, so you have fun. to wonder, like, oh god. Like, well, that's what you know. Me and Sean talk on the phone, and we're just like, all right, how can we kill people? You know, and we just come up with all these weird things and try it. You know, it's funny. Oh, but, uh, it's funny. Um, you know, during the pandemic, I know you said you were, you had a rough year. Um, you know, we were sitting there talking, and he he left his job and I wasn't working and we were just talking one day and he was like, man, we should make a movie called naked cannibal campers. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. He's like, yeah, we'll make it about like naked cannibals, these <laughs> girls and they're like witches or something. So we, we hung up the phone and 90 days later we had a Blu-ray in our hand. Wow. Like, that's amazing. And now we got, we got a comic book coming out. Um, actually it's going to print today. Uh, nice, comic nice. book. Um, and we're working on a sequel. We're going to probably shoot that in like December. Um, so you got any stuff coming up that you're shooting or any features? Um, I don't have any features in the pipeline, not for <laughs> lack of not wanting to do one. Um, it's just not, you know, it just hasn't kind of panned out. Uh, you're doing more like commercial work. I'm doing a ton of commercial work. I three, I was, I mean, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this past week. I was on commercials, and then I'm doing. Uh, I don't actually have anything this week, but then next week is is five days, two days commercial, two days or three days. I'm just doing some grip stuff on our narrative project. Um, but you know, I'm trying to make make those things happen. I was in line to do a feature, but then it flipped to union, uh, and I'm not union, so I might just end up camera operating on that. Uh, that's going to be shot here locally. Um, you know, I'm always trying to. My 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 main priority is always my family. Well, you can't work on a union movie. Not as a DP. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I'm because I am non-union, and uh, I don't know all the rules, but also the money behind it wanted somebody who was who was union and a little bit more established. Um, so the guy that they're bringing in, last I knew, I don't know if he signed the contract, but last I knew, it's somebody that's been in the industry for you know. 40 years type of type of deal. Somebody I just can't even Roger Deakins. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd be like, I will come do whatever for free. Um, but you know, my main priority right now is just to, is my wife and my, and my kids make sure that, you know, they feel taken care of. Um, and my wife is doing her own venture now, uh, that started in, in March. So, uh, I'm, I'm the breadwinner. Um, so I'm kind of taking, you know, taking a little bit different approach where I'm literally just taking whatever job on set that I'm qualified for that will pay me. Right. Uh, but the goal is and always has been for the last 12 years or how, no, uh, 13 years has been to make features as, as a DP. That's, that is what I live for. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Uh, just basically waiting on the next one to, to roll around. What, what, um, like every once in a while, we talk about what's coming out. What what movie are you looking forward to seeing coming up this year? I know what it is, Candyman. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Um, this. So my viewing habits have changed to okay. more television. I know, me too. Like I, I seem to like I'm watching more series than yeah. movies lately. So I see a trailer for a movie and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But then, <laughs> like, 
I see like something like okay, my one of my favorite shows right now is Peaky Blinders. I know that like just like three days ago they wrapped the final season, season six. I am so excited, and that's like six months from now or however long that that, that, that show is going to come out. But I'm probably more excited for that than I am any particular movie that's right. coming out, at least off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I get very excited for new seasons of shows. I just finished uh, Jupiter's Legacy. I'm very excited for the next season, uh, Umbrella Academy. I freaking love that show. I can't this, wait. Chris hates it. I think he gave up. I think he no, gave up. No, I, I watched the first season, and it was like agony to me to <laughs> wow. finish it. I, I told him to watch like season it, two. I told him to watch season like two. It. Season two is better. Yeah. I, I, I was, heard a lot of people say I yeah. enjoyed season it's gonna, two. It's going to take a lot. For me to push play on episode <laughs> one, it just, didn't, it just didn't resonate with me. I just I don't know. I just didn't get it. I didn't like it. But but I, I didn't mean, like the characters. I thought the plot was. Uh, I thought yeah. the story was slow as hell, and it was just like. See, that's I uh, like slow developing stuff. Like that's see, I part do of. I don't mind that. Like I'll I'll watch a slow burn. You know, I don't mind that. Like Fargo is one of my yeah. favorite shows, and. So all those shows are super slow, yeah. and but I love them. Like they're probably my top five favorite shows of all time. Um, you know, we just finished watching Dexter because we got another season coming mm-hmm. up, so I revisited all those, and we just finished it a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm excited to see that the new season to see kind of what they come up with after the horrible, horrible ending. I heard I never saw the show, but I heard that season six, the basically the last one yeah, was the last just. Season. Awful. was just so bad. Was and I'm like just rushed? like, I was mad. <laughs> at, the show, at the end of the last show, I was so mad. I'm like, I spent six years of my life watching this show, and that's how you end it? Like, what? Uh, yeah. It brings back memories of Lost. So I'm interested and... to see what they come up with for the next season. I mean, it's shit. It's been 10 it's years. It's been a long time. It's been like 10 years. Yeah. Show went off the air. I wonder how they're going to fill in that gap. But I'm excited about all the – I mean, there's a – ton of horror movies coming up soon and they all look really good so um i'm pretty excited for that don't don't breathe too yeah um halloween there's a movie called werewolves within that's got the uh at&t girl um i think she's a wine trap yeah i think she's hot she's like i don't know why some people think i'm crazy for saying but no no but it's funny because when i saw (laughs) when i saw the trailer i'm like Okay. Yeah, it's the same girl from AT and T. Like she's got the same like demeanor about her, and like the way she does her little one liners and stuff. Like it's a werewolf movie that's kind of a comedy, like a dark comedy. Um, that looks awesome. Uh, then you got Candyman, and uh, what else is coming out? See, like, I don't even know what else is. See, coming I was out. one night, one night in Soho. That movie looks crazy. Um, it's got uh, Anya Taylor Joy in it, um, which she's kind of popping up and everything yeah. now. She was in Peaky Blinders. That's the first time I saw her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Did you watch Queen's Gambit? I tried. Really? You didn't like it? Uh, it's super weird. <laughs> like I, it, you know, everybody like in Cyber World was like all crazy about, it. and I love chess. Um, and I watched like the first like four or five episodes, and I was like, I don't care. Like yeah. I literally like if someone was like, don't ever watch an episode again. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anybody would <laughs> ever do that, but yeah, I just I don't know. It's uh, again, I've been watching just so much TV that, like, I just felt like, okay, I don't really, like, I kind of see where this is kind of going anyways, and I don't really care, so I'm just going to go 
you know, on the, on, yeah, on I, the hate next when, thing. I hate when movies or TV shows get so predictable it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talk about a couple of movies. Like, I'm like, yeah, I knew where it was going to go. I just didn't want it to go there. Like, yeah. I just really hope it went somewhere else. I mean, else. it takes a lot for a show or a movie to, to catch me, like, kind of sleeping on it. But, uh, you know, there's just – there is a formula to storytelling. We all know that. Yeah. But when you don't try to subvert that at all, which, again, I haven't seen all of Queen's Gambit, so they might – but I kind of could just kind of guess every next step that it just, that's not interesting to me. Do you watch any like network shows? Uh, Most of my stuff is original, like like Amazon or Netflix or uh, one of the best shows on TV right now is good girls. Huh? That show is freaking awesome. I have like, I love it. I don't even know. What channel is that on? It's on, I don't know if it's because I watch a lot of CW. NBC, I think. <laughs> I think it's on NBC. NBC. Um, I think they just finished the third season, like last week. Yeah, I'm. I'm but still watching the DC. I, shows. I saw the trailer for. I read a write up about it or something. I just started watching it, and it's awesome. Like it's so funny, and it's really, hmm. really a good show. Um, yeah, I. You know, well, speaking of superhero stuff, like. I am such a sucker for it. Yeah, I try not to because, like, I'm a serious filmmaker, blah, blah, blah. I just... What any, do you think of WandaVision? I, I love... I think you're kind of young. How old are you? I'm 36. 36. Oh, me too. Yeah, see, I grew up on, like, Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched yeah. and all that shit. So when they were doing all the TV older, shows, yeah, stuff, like, I could pick off the set. Yeah. Like, right when I saw the set, I was like, oh, that's Dick Van Dyke or that's Bewitched. And um, I really like that part of it like it took me back yeah. and then the middle got a little odd and then the last three episodes i thought were fantastic my my thought was i really liked what they were doing with i didn't know where they were going but like i also grew up like watching more andy griffith show like you know we had three channels growing up on right. the farm so like i didn't have a whole lot of reference but i had seen you know enough um, and I was like, this is interesting. This is kind of cool. I don't really care about Wanda. I don't really care about Vision. But, like, okay, what's what the hell's happening? Um, and then they had the reveal at the end of, I want to say, episode four or mid-episode. And I was like, cool. This is great. And then they delved more into that world. And I was like, I don't – that's not interesting. That's superhero, like – but, like, base superhero stuff. Like, what you were doing was interesting. They kind of brought it back around to the end. And, like, the whole Agatha – uh, twist. I was like, I didn't see that one coming. That's yeah, awesome. Like Great job. Um, so it kind of like it started, and then it just like slowly. Awesome. But yeah. like there are aspects like when Vision's talking with White Vision, like that whole scene. Yeah, cool. I've gone back and watched it a couple of times because I, awesome. I loved it. Um, but then like a few weeks later, we get the Falcon and Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and like, they just weren't trying to be anything but a superhero story. And I was like, I'm in like, I'm right. Let's go. It was just violence and violence. Yeah. yeah. And it was, every... it got, I was surprised how dark it was. Man. Like, <laughs> yeah. When, Dude, like, when, when he killed yeah. that guy with yeah. the shield in the street, I was oh, like, yeah. 
Did you? Was did, this Marvel? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Did you see how much blood was on that? Yeah. Like, oh. And they colored it to a to a way that it was just really like show blood in the no. superheroes. So there's a, they might have a scratch or something, but they don't show it like that. So my story of that episode is my wife. She'd been gone to work or whatever, and I was watching the episode, and she came home, and that's the scene she walked in on, and she oh, was wow. like. What is happening? <laughs> so I like tried to kind of explain it because I made her watch all of them because like it is such a part of my life um, that I've just made her and like randomly she'll be like, hey, let's let's watch a Marvel film. I'm like, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> That's funny because me and my girlfriend, I'm like, I watch the shows that I like when she's at work, and then when she comes home, then we have our set of shows that we watch together. And yeah, see, we my wife doesn't watch much television in general and so generally if we're gonna watch something i've usually pre-screened it like i've used like that shit's great i watched it and i was like i think it's worth the investment i watched uh, the first season of the crown and i was like i think you're gonna love this show i love that show so we watched it and now now it's one of the shows that we kind of watch together um but yeah trying to explain that moment yeah, to her like crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think DC took over this, this yeah, episode. I, like, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I think, yeah, that was... I, a, I was really surprised. Little, so they're coming out with Loki. Can't wait. I think even, like, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? I, I think it's the 11th. Maybe it's the 11th. I just got yeah. Disney Plus. I like to wait till the series is all out, and then I'll watch all of it. Yeah. In, like, two days. Um, but, yeah, I just got Disney Plus right when Falcon and Winter Soldier ended, so I could watch them all. And then I just... I don't really watch Disney Plus ever. Yeah, there's just not, not my thing. Okay, June 9th. Yeah. So I'm wait. I'm hoping Loki's soon. It's yeah. it's pretty soon. It's like, yeah, it says June 9th. Really cool. Yeah, so a week from now, yeah, uh, or eight days from now. Um, Cannot wait. I'm yeah, so excited. Cool. Like Mandalorian. Like it's the best Star yeah, Wars has ever been. Awesome. Like I, I I don't know how they keep screwing the movies up so much, <laughs> but man, I they don't let John Favreau take them over. That's <laughs> Uh, that guy just understands it. He like, gets he it. Gets it. It's the same with Paul yeah. uh, Feige for yeah. for Marvel. Like he just, he just get it. He understands what it is. I wish like I wish DC well, would, they, they would find James somebody. Gunn and he and he did a terrible uh, after Nolan. Man, it's just trash. And like they're trash. living so much on Nolan's legacy that it's right. just not. Yeah. Like they have random ones that are good. Like the first Woman Wonder Woman was was it was fine. But here's yeah. the thing with the Wonder Woman, it was all right. It was the sequel was terrible. But everybody went freaking crazy for it. Well, because we wanted like, DC to be good. <laughs> yeah. like, we really do. Good. It was always like Guardians of the Galaxy when it came out the first one. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, that's the best Marvel movie or superhero movie ever made. I'm like, I think you need to go watch the yeah. Dark Knight th- trilogy again. Yeah. Because. <laughs> Nowhere near. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, just... Dark Knight's the the gold standard. Probably always will be. But like, I love uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Oh yes. yeah, that's my favorite. Dude. Uh, it's, that's like I watch my it. Favorite. Yeah, I watch I'm it all so the good. time. Just I love it so good. I think at the toss up for me, Civil War in that one. I think because Civil War is uh, when you first saw Winter Soldier. The, when so you, first when you saw Spider Man come in, I yeah. was like, yeah, holy <laughs> shit! I didn't like the, man, I just didn't like. And beating each other up, and like oh. when they got Iron Man, they were beating the crap out. Like I hated all that stuff. Yeah. I thought Winter Soldier was amazing. But yeah, yeah that scene when Samuel yeah. Jackson's in the street and they're shooting. oh yeah, holy <laughs> crap! Oh, that's what a good a, scene. What an amazing scene. Well, and yeah. when he catches the shield, when Cap throws it at, like oh, yeah. oh just 
That was just a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I, as I said, I have a sucker for. I think my third is probably Spider-Man Two, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man Two with Doc Ock. Yeah, that's a great. It's been movie probably fifteen years yeah, since I've seen. That that's a great movie. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I I liked. Yeah, I like that one more than, of course, the third one or no, the third one. Even the See, I don't ever even saw the third one because I don't remember liking. So I watched the first one. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then the second one, I didn't like Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane. I I didn't like that. The second one, I just did. didn't like. I and again, the this is 15 years ago, and so I just never. And what's was super sad. This is one of the saddest stories of my life. Venom is my favorite comic book character. Ever. Then don't watch three. <laughs> and nobody can get him right. No, right. They Actually, don't. I liked the movie Venom. I just wish they had made it rated R and yeah. shown. So my biggest problem with Venom was the basis of Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock is a total dick. He's right. he's the worst of the worst human beings. But Tom Hardy's version of Eddie Brock is total, and I'm. Venom is not a hero. They He's had an the, They had the Eddie Brock character, I think, right in Spider-Man Three. Um, so again, never saw it, so but they not didn't. Sure. They didn't develop him at yeah. all. Well, because like, they had too many the enemies had, in that movie. That movie was more about Sandman, and I'm like, it's who Sandman. Yeah. Like, who cares about Sandman? Like, why yeah. didn't they bring in Hobgoblin or <laughs> Rhino or the Lizard, yeah. somebody else? Like, yeah. I thought yeah. the Sandman character was just boring and most of the movie was about sandman and then they were kind of like in the last 15 minutes oh let's throw venom in there you know uh, they well, didn't he develop, deserves his own they developed eddie brock because he was a dick like he was stealing um he was stealing peter parker's photos and like yeah, yeah doing like all this that's stuff to yeah sabotage him they got that right but then the venom character was just like yeah it was terrible what is what? there Why there are parts in the venom movie of venom himself that i was like okay like i can i can see kind of but like just the whole characteristic of him and how much he fought venom i'm like that's you're you're totally off base for what eddie brought like again bad character that can turn good but that venom is an anti-hero at his best like right now in the comics from my understanding i haven't read uh recently he's actually like a full-blown hero that's not interesting to me. Right. Anti-heroes are kind sure. of so. That's why we all love Deadpool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Same difference. The uh, the scene with him when he has the baby legs and the baby arm. I was when I saw that in the theater, man. I was laughing. Like I think that people were getting mad at me because I was laughing. It was like, just. It was, it was so uncomfortable, but. <laughs> And Ryan Reynolds, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, he's like born to that. play him. Yeah, he was perfect for that role. Oh, uh, they totally screwed that up in the X Men Origins. So. Oh yeah, like why would you? Nah, <laughs> I mean, why? It was it was really terrible. Bad. Like, well, a lot of those offshoot X Men movies I never saw either because yeah. you know you hear like, oh, it was terrible. I'm like, I'm just not even gonna. Actually, some of them were. Pretty, uh, I thought X Men First Class was really good. I did see that one, um, and so I kind of followed like the Days of Future Past and then Apocalypse yeah, the or whatever they call. And those right. were terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then did the you watch Phoenix, New Mutants? Did you watch Phoenix? New Mutants? I didn't see because I heard it was so bad uh, that I just kind of yeah. sidestepped it. Just watch Nightmare on Elm Street three. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally, <laughs> the, same movie. literally the same movie. 
Oh, it's just they had X Men. I hate when I go into something with such high expectations, and then it just sucks. But then, but then you get presently surprised. Like so, some of my favorite movies were Lord of the Rings. I had read those books a little bit before the movies came out, and I loved them. And then seeing what Peter Jackson did to the Lord of the Rings, I was like, I was just blown away. Like, my gosh, this is now the Hobbits are totally different. Story, I but seen them. I, I just watched the trilogy. I was at, I haven't watched any of the Hobbits. The movies. Hobbits are horrible. I I, I read <laughs> um, George R. R. Martin's as uh, of Song of Ice and Fire before the show ever come out, and so like seeing, especially the first few seasons. Now season seven and eight are whatever, but they had also run out of book material at that point. Yeah. Um, so See, whenever I think of George R. R. Martin, I think about the scenes in South Park. <laughs> Every time I think, I, I think of like those movies, I'm just like, oh, South Park. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like all the time. Uh, but you know, I I loved that show up to season the end of season six, like because I I had read it and then I saw it on screen. I was like, holy crap! The things that I was imagining are either the same way or different or you know whatever. Um, and then you have. Things like Ready Player One, where I was so I excited, yeah. and it, it, that movie was just for nostalgia gamer. purpose. Yeah. Well, the book, the book is too, but the book had its own like flavor to it, yeah. and to see like they just changed so much in the movie from what the the book had. It's like you know, it, it was very I don't want to say grounded, but grounded to itself. It knew what it was saying. The movie just felt like yeah, like a nostalgic plunge, and like that's not what. It's not what the book's really about. Yeah, it was just fan service. Yeah, pretty much all it was. It yeah, was just like, just, hey, we got Freddie doing a little cameo. And so I've read, I've read the second book. Um, it's not as good as the first one, but I'm terrified if they make a second a second movie. <laughs> like, what are they gonna do to it? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. That's just. You, you guys are into all the deep stuff. I'm like, I can't wait till Jenny and Georgia season two comes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we like. That was actually a good show. We like storylines. We like, you know, artsy. Like so, artsy. like, if you want to hook me on something, throw time travel in it, like that. See, I hate he time hates time travel. travel. <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing with me. I'm very simple. Like, I'm just like spoon feed me the story, and if I gotta like think like Inception. Oh, see, so yeah, yeah. I can't even like. I recommend movies so far over my head. That I'm just like, <laughs> I recommend movies on our movie. on our ten movies you never heard of, and he's just he's he, all into like the artsy stuff. And yeah, that's like, that's generally what I. Here's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> here's someone just stabbing somebody in the eye. So, <laughs> so have you seen Predestination? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, that one Predestination's got Ethan Hawke in it. Um, I'm write that one down. Man, you watch that one and. A friend of mine says she guessed the ending, but I just was like, what? Yeah. What are you? Uh, but yeah, I want to come out of a, of a movie, especially of time travel, going, okay. Like, that's when I stopped watching Flash, was when they started the Earth Flash 1 point. and Earth 2. And oh, like, yeah. All right. uh, so, there's a show, so there's a show called Dark, which is a German show. It's yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, I started watching it. Um, it, I think I watched two episodes and I was so like, yeah, for no me you got to give it to episode four at least because that's but like by the end of it, like I like being confused in time travel and even that one I was like, uh, what universe slash timeline slash alternate yeah. universe? Right. But I awesome. loved it. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> but man, it it'll well, it wraps your brain. When it comes to time travel, I'll go as far as like 
Back to the Future. Like that's. Really <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, like, yeah. Like, Chris likes to be spoon fed everything. Like he, he watches the show. Like, yeah. what, is, what are you talking about? Well, you're not gonna find out about that till episode five. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he just was like, "What happened?" I can't deal with it. Like, subject matter, and, like all the artsy stuff. Yeah, see, that's the stuff. That's that's what gets that's what gets me going. Yeah, that's, it, gets that's, it gets the cognitive like yeah. juices flowing. It's just like, oh wait, simple man, that's it. Like, did you notice that thing in the background? How it you know did that thing? You yeah, know? <laughs> like Chris is like, what? <laughs> my son, my son, my my youngest son is like, he's he like. When he watches a movie, he sees everything in it. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, what? what? <laughs> How do you even see that or know that? Like in um, we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I watched it the first time and left the theater like pissed off. Um, uh, see, I really liked in. it. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. See, I liked it. I liked it. So, and then I took him to see it because I'm kind of introducing him to Tarantino and stuff, and we went. And saw it. I saw it again the second time, and he saw something in the movie, like right at the beginning, that was a foreshadowing for something that happens later. Mm. And he was like, "Oh, look at that!" And I'm like, "What? Yeah, how did you even see that? Like, it was just like yeah, yeah in the corner of a shed." <laughs> and he picked it out. And when I and I, I'll sometimes I'll look at him when he's watching the movie, and his eyes are like going all over. He's gathering the all screen. the information. Like, it's almost like doo, 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 doo. I, I, it's, it's like I, Easter eggs. It's like yeah. Easter eggs. Well, I do. You know. Going all the way back to like the filmmaking career, like I do that. Like, well, I think you look at movies differently when yeah. you're a cinematographer, a director, or something. You you see things differently, yeah, than just the normal average moviegoer. Because I feel like I've watched movies differently than I used to. Because which is one. I mean, entertainment now it's like, oh, yeah. Well, oh, honestly, cool. one reason that's why I play video games is because like this is my job is to make commercials and 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 movies Mm -hmm. i'm always critiquing i'm always not and it may and honestly maybe it's one reason that i've veered more towards tv series is Mm -hmm. because i feel like i don't do it as much but if i'm watching a movie because it's a very contained thing like i'm kind of like picking apart every little thing and i feel like in tv shows like i kind of let a little bit more go because i'm like oh in the end there's there could be more of a payoff Mm -hmm. um and it's also why i play video games because i don't know how to make a video game so like that's my your release yeah your, that's what i dive into your, yeah 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 yourself. oh yeah it's a re- it's a relaxed time for me sometimes like yeah. i just play the horror games like dead by daylight and friday 13 <laughs> yeah i play i play battle royales because like okay. you go in you play for 20 30 minutes you win you lose you get frustrated you're like okay i'm going to bed <laughs> <laughs> see uh, whenever i play anything like that it's like i just get angry if i die then i'm just like <laughs> Dude, and then I get like anxiety all night long. I Actually, I, 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 I can tell you the moment I stopped playing video games. I used to play with my son, and we we played um, Ultimate Alliance, and we loved that game. Mm-hmm. Right? It was such an awesome game. And what? then Ultimate Alliance Two came out. We were like, what? So we went right when it came out. Get Ultimate Alliance Two. We're playing, and there's a scene where you have there's a, a, a scene there's a a point where you got to beat uh, Captain America and Iron Man. And we could not get past that level. <laughs> like we tried and tried for hours and hours. Couldn't get. I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. <laughs> I, just, I put the, the controller down and never picked it back up. Like, and that was the end of it. I, I can tell you, that's the last time I played video games. Wow. wow. My both my kids are like huge gamers, and you know they play a lot. And they played online together and stuff. And I yeah, I just have no interest. Well, in it was also like. 
you know, going to the pandemic and how it affected me, like I didn't work. And so I was just at home with my kids and I was like, I need something to do. Right. <laughs> so they would go, they, you know, we, I'd wait till they go to bed and then I'll look at my wife and be like, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to play like to talk to my friends to, yeah. you know, experience something outside of like the chaos that comes with a seven year old and a two year old. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes, like I said, we need that sometimes just yeah. to get away. That's literally why we made two movies was like we had nothing yeah. to do, and uh, I don't know, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think with video games, you can just pick, like, just put it down when you're done. Movies, you're like this festering all night. Yeah. Yeah, festering all night. Like maybe I should have shot it like this, or what? What if I did it like that? Like yeah. it's yeah, it's a little bit different. And now I'm in a, I'm in a situation now where I'm like Sean's like trying to finish school and. I'm wanting to do something. I'm wanting to shoot another movie. And I was trying to get a movie. We had a movie called um, The Cheerleader Sleepover Slaughter that I was trying to get going. And it got so frustrated. Like, I've never had a problem putting movies together. Like, we just find locations, find a cast, and then we do it. And this one, for some reason, I had so much trouble with cast and a lo- one of the locations. I couldn't find it. And it was consuming me and I was just like, my girlfriend was like, you need to like take yeah. a step back because <laughs> what is wrong with you? And I was like snapping at everybody. I was just, it was really upsetting me. So I just kind of was like, you know what? I don't think we're going to do this one. And now I'm stuck. Not right now. At least. nothing to do. Well, yeah. well, I think every week, like we would come and do the show and he would have just some frustration. Every week. You know, I had agent. I, I was offering I offered two people a role, like a lead role, and their agents told them not to take the role. And I'm like, isn't your agent supposed to get you work? <laughs> like, not, yeah. Not or at least help you, you? Out of getting work? And, you know, we talk about this all the time. My feeling is if you're an actor trying to make it, you should take every role, every one of them. Yeah, get as much out there as you can. How much budget it is or whatever. Because when, when a – when somebody looks at a resume, like if I if I'm looking for a name talent for a movie and I'm looking at their resume, I'm not gonna go and like pick every single movie and see it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they want to see your that? they want to see your they experience. See that you've done stuff. Yeah, and yeah. In order to get that experience and and you know get better and learn how to work with different types of directors and different sets, like you need to do that. Yeah, we've got to build that reel up. They don't understand it. And these were two girls from Orlando and. Um, I kind of we have like a core of people that we just always work yeah, with, and I was just, trying to get yeah. some fresh faces and different talent, and uh, what a nightmare, man! <laughs> this is one reason I don't produce or direct nightmare. because those things, I I don't like doing those things, and it can be frustrating. And <laughs> my job is already frustrating enough. Like, I just I don't want more stress and more. Like, are there stories that I personally want to tell? Yeah, um, Quiet Place took one of them. So, <laughs> so I had this whole, I mean, it was laid out like it's a story guy wakes up in the middle of the field. Uh, he goes to his house. You can tell nobody's been there for a long time, but everything's still perfect. He's getting food. His little alarm goes off. He runs away. And like, it was this whole idea of like aliens moving through sound. But like part of the movie was just, you couldn't see them. So that was like right. the tension. And I saw a quiet place in theaters and I was like, God, Krasinski! Dang it. <laughs> Krasinski! That's happened to me. Before. Well, same thing like Sixth Sense, too. Like, you didn't know mm-hmm. what the hell. Then you saw the other, and it was like, oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, when I was younger, uh, I was like, <laughs> when I was younger, I was really into like the urban legends and stuff, like all the weird ones. Oh yeah. And I was at a party, a Fourth of July party, and um, my buddies down the street were all talking. And I was like, man, you know what? I think they should make a movie about like get all the urban legends and put them together, like, and to make a movie about it. And he was like, man, that's a really cool idea. And then, like, literally, like, six months later, Urban Legends is coming out. I'm like, oh, my God. They stole my idea. Yeah. And I was going to do the one where the guy's hanging above the car and his feet are scraping yeah, the car. They did that know? one. And it was in there. Yep, it was. Yeah. And Rebe- was it Rebecca Gayhart? Rebecca Gayhart. She was so she was hot back killer. in the day. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Spoiler. She kind of fell off. Spoiler. If you haven't seen Urban Legend by now, then. Ah, yeah, I, I think it's on TV like every day on my. Uh... <laughs> <Don't bother. laughs> Do you ever write? Um, I get I get the to use a Tennessee word. I get the hankering every now and then. Um, and I do most of my stuff. Uh, is people usually a singular person dealing with? I don't want to say demons, but like silence, aloneness. Because um, generally my scripts are one person. They might run into a couple people, but it's generally about a journey. Sometimes with them being chased. Sometimes um, uh, most of my stuff is dark, but like psychologically dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot out of me to write stuff like that. So I generally shy away from it unless I just have something in my head. That's just like just pushes, and most of my stuff is very slow. You find it hard to write. I I find it hard to sit down to, to write. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Well, have, you have all the time in the I'm world. Good like, <laughs> I'm good at like getting stuff on paper, like ideas on paper, and then I give it to someone else that knows how. Like crazy, like I wrote crazy, like in like thirty days, the whole script, and I gave it to Jason, and Jason, you know, obviously Jason's a way better writer than me. Um, Jason kind of went through and gutted the script and changed a lot of the dialogue and some of the scenes and, and stuff and made it into crazy league. But I, I don't, I've never had a problem just sitting and writing, but I'm not good at creating dialogue and scenes that aren't like, you know, obviously you have your, your scenes that really push the move the story forward. And then you have like your fluff scenes that are mm-hmm. there to take up time, basically. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time writing the fluff scenes that aren't really like impactful for the story. Like I can get all the impactful stuff down. It's all yeah. the filler that you know that you need to build up the clock. Yeah. So I can write a feature, but it's I'm like shit. Oh, I only have like forty pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, one of my. Favorite slash unique films uh, is the Robert Redford film called All Is Lost. The whole thing was an eight-page script yeah, yeah. that ended up being, you know, a feature-length film, and it's right. him. Right. Like, I'm sure Castaway uh, was the same. Uh, a, a lot of it was, but like All Was Lost, like I could see myself writing that, like that type yeah. of film where he's just overcoming obstacle after obstacle. So you're good at like sitting down and writing eight pages. And you're saying, yeah, and it's super descriptive. <laughs> like you see everything, but but in all his loss, he never says a word. Yeah. That's, that's the crazy. type of character. And I think, or you might say like one or two things, but um, I also think a lot of that is attributed to, A, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. Um, but my dad is like such a big influence on my life, obviously. And I love my dad dearly. My dad's a very silent kind of, like he, mm-hmm. as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little, little bit more talkative. Um, 
but like, like the strong silent type. Yeah, the strong silent type, working with his hands all the time, working super hard, leaving the house, you know, at six a.m., coming home at seven o'clock, but then taking us right to baseball practice and like yeah. that character. No nonsense. Black yeah, is, is such a big influence. Yeah, so when I'm writing characters, like that's the first thing that comes out of my head. I most of my characters are named David, which is my dad's name. Um, and I don't even know if I do that consciously. It's just when I think about my hero and, you know, the person I want to model this story after, my dad's usually the uh-huh. archetype that comes to, to mind. That's nice. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know, it's one of those things, like, I'm very fortunate. My parents are still married. They have been for almost 40 years now. Um, they've always That's been rare. super, yeah. you know, yeah. super supportive well, of me. Um you know, I grew up in a very loving home. I didn't have any horrible things happen. The worst thing that I can think of that's ever happened to me is my granddad died, who was also, but like, he was 75 years old. Like, it was going to happen at some point as well. So, like, you know, I just grew up with a very solid foundation, which has helped me later on in life. But in terms of writing, like, <laughs> Yeah. I have very few like hard experiences to draw off of, right. you know. Oh yeah. yeah, and I'm not I'm not complaining like at all. I very much enjoy. <laughs> he he my, wants more shit to happen to him. <laughs> I very much enjoy my my life. Um, that goes back to the, the beginning of this conversation. Was the the support system? Yeah, um, my dad's huge. always been there. Like if I need a, he's in real estate, so he knows like everybody in town. Mm-hmm. And if I ever need a location, I call. He's the first call. Yeah. Hey, dad, I need a. I need a place where we can make a pawn shop. He's like, oh, I got a place yet. <laughs> and then we're shooting there. And uh, he's always been like that since the very first movie I ever made. He was always the people that believe in you before you ever even really knew what a you was. But yeah. like, you know, before um, before you knew kind of who you were, people that were like, yeah, you can do this thing. Like I growing up, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I probably was never going to make it. But my parents always said I could. Right. You know, until I decided I, I couldn't. And that's, you know, you got, you got little kids now. My kids are older, but I've always told them, I'm like, look, figure out something that you love. It doesn't matter what it is and figure out how you make money doing it and you'll never work. And they've both done that. Like my son just graduated from UCF, my older one, uh, with an animation degree. He wants to be like nice. 3d modeling and animating mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, um, I actually had him an internship at Diamond View, mm-hmm. and they stopped their internship program till the fall. So it was kind of like, <laughs> so now he's kind of he's in Orlando still, and he's kind of just like not trying sure to figure to do. out what to yep. do now. And um, you know, so that kind of sucked because I was like, dude, you're gonna get in with the new technology, with the yeah, the, the, the LED the wall and all yep. that. And um, you know, I know Jeff McCown that works there. I've known him since I'm like seven years old, and uh, so he was gonna get him in and then it fell apart yeah so we're hoping yeah and then my other son just figured out that he he loves like forensics and like crime scene investigation so he's starting school in august to do that that's and, cool um, yeah 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 but it's just all you can do with your kids is just teach them and give them your knowledge that you've already done and let them figure it out you know, you know? for for us i i'm already in the art world um so my daughter sees that and then my wife has now struck out on her own is doing her own business um and so for my daughter to see that for to see two people 
right. you know, most influential, are, yeah, doing their what they want to do. I think is so huge. And is huge. but right now, you know, she, she wants to be. She wants. She says she wants to be an art teacher. That's great. Like, if that's what she wants to do, then cause, do it. Then do it. Um, and that's the thing. I've never. I've always encouraged my kids. Like, that's awesome. Try it. You know, yeah. my son was like, my oldest one is like, hey, I'm gonna. Well, he started off when he was going to middle school. He was like, I'm gonna try for the orchestra, and I'm like, you don't even know how to play anything. <laughs> You've never picked up an instrument in your life. And he started playing cello, and then he, by the time. His uh, he went there for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and by the time he was in seventh grade, he was second chair, and then first chair when he was in seventh wow. grade, and then he's like, "Well, I'm going to Steinbrenner. I'm going to try out for the band, and I'm going to play drums." And I'm like, "No, you don't know play how to drums. play drums." <laughs> Junior year, drum captain. You know, like he's always been like that type of person. Like, and then he goes to college, and he's like. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna referee intramurals, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> referee of the year? He got an award for re- intramural referee of the year. I'm just like, that's my kid. Like he just has always been like that. He'll put something in his head, and he busts his ass to accomplish it. But that's make you proud as a dad. Oh, that's awesome. And that's the thing is, like, I know that kid. I don't ever okay, have to worry about yeah. him. Like he's gonna do it himself, and he's gonna be the best at whatever he does. And that's what I, you know, I haven't had a chance to talk to Jeff about at Dime of You. I feel like telling him, look, if you give him an opportunity, he'll probably end up being your best animator that you have, you know, type of thing. Because I just know him and I know how his mind operates and he'll do whatever it takes and work his ass off to get to where he needs to be or where he wants to be. And uh, my other son, he needs some guidance and pushing. I I think we got him on the track. (laughs) But he took a year off. You know, he graduated last year. He took the year off. He's working like little crap jobs. And I'm like, look, work all these little shit jobs because that's all you're going to get without an education. So, you know, he worked in a grocery store, a pizza place. And he's like, you know, I was looking through all these jobs. And he's like, I don't want to do any of these. I'm like, okay, "Ah, (laughs) now we know. (laughs) So I kept pushing. I'm like, dude, just even if you don't want to go to a four year college, just go to a tech school or take a course or something that's going to help you and figure out what I said, go home, write down everything yeah. you're interested in. So he did that. And a couple of days later, he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to school. I want to do this. And I'm like, awesome. Cool. My work is done here. Fathering. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with kids, man, is you can give them all the advice you want, but they're going to have to make the decision themselves and, I mean, I didn't know what I, I want to do until I was 23. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm 51 years old. I don't know what I want to do in my life. <laughs> I didn't know what I want to do until I was 23. My sister, who's three years younger than me, she knew she wanted to be a school teacher and a mom when she was like five years old. Right. My brother didn't know, and he's 10 years younger than me. So it was kind of weird seeing like my – but then about 23, 24, he figured out what he wanted to do. And now my, my other sister, who's 16 years younger than me, she's – kind of figuring out what she wants to do now she's 20 like 20 or 21 um so like seeing now her because like they say you're supposed to know when you're like 18 and go to college what you're supposed yeah. to do and, and i'm like that thing. is bull crap all these people yeah. they graduate college and they're just like i hate what i freaking yeah yeah like, well they just want your money they, they want you to go to school pay yeah. the school well and then you're gonna then you're gonna switch it up and then pay more money to go another right. three years that's what my son like, he, he, he uh he went to ucf as a 
engineering. He wanted to do uh, robotic arms and stuff. And, Which is um, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, awesome, do it. And then, like, after the second year, he was like, you know what? I can't do all the math and chemistry. Like, I can't do it. And I think I will enjoy this better doing animation. And when I said, when he said animation, I was like, he wants to make fucking cartoons? Like, is that what he wants to do? <laughs> but he's like really into comic. Like, he works at a comic book store up there and he's like really into comics. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, maybe he'll be, you know, make, start making his own comic books or something, which, all right, whatever. But then he started, I started realizing what he was wanting to do. He was wanting to take that engineering and the animation and kind of mix mm. it together and design you know, design robotic arms with 3D animation and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, that's probably a pretty competitive field, but I know sure. my kid and I'm sure he'll succeed. If it's so. competitive, like kind of all, you know, all the better really when you, when you come up to it, I, you know, getting in, into this, I was a little scared, but I found my way and doing, you know, doing what I can. I make a living. That's, Honestly, that's all I want. I don't, like, we were talking, I love superhero stuff. I don't ever want to shoot a superhero film. Like, that just seems... But you did. Well, sort of. <laughs> I shot a very low-budget uh, superhero film. Um, that's actually cool. That's a good one. The, you know, there's there are other things that I watch, like The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which I love as a show. See, I tried to get into that. I watched, like... Six episodes, and I was just like, uh, if someone, if someone said, "Hey, we want to make this show," like, but you want you to DP it, I'd the, be like, "I'm, I'm in." Right. I love the style of it and the characters, and but there was just something that was missing with me. I don't know. Sorry, I gave up on. It. Yeah, I, I, my wife and I love. You know, there's there's shows like that that are, and so I've just realized that like I love the very, they're not visual spectacular. They're super character based character driven and the cinematography is a part of it it's not great it's it's not the it's not the driving force force. yeah so that's that's what i'm hoping to like i want to shoot a netflix show but i want to shoot one of the like you know the lower you know not lower end ones but the ones that are not quite as much pressure as trying to live up to like jupiter's legacy like that's a that was a tentpole for them i don't i don't want to shoot that you don't think you could you could shoot Something on like a super high level. I think like I could. Knowing but you and knowing and seeing what you've done, I feel like you can. It's one of those like, could I? Yes. Do is my heart really into something like that? Do like you feel like you could shoot like a like a green screen like a Marvel movie like on green screen the whole thing? I think I could at some point. Like that, so, that, if someone came to me, to you at all? it doesn't really appeal yeah. to me. So, but like if someone I feel like came it's cheating. It looks kind of. <laughs> like that's. I think the the cinematography on that is just you're just you're there. shooting people, yeah, and then everybody else behind the scenes takes care of everything yeah. else. It's one of those so. like if but if someone came to me and said, "Here's Venom," because again, I love Venom. That's a different. Mm-hmm. But I would want Venom to be darker, right. grittier. I wish like, they had made that rated R and just yeah. did it the right way. Yeah, like they did Deadpool. Like Deadpool was like. Spot on. Like, yeah. it was so awesome. Yeah, like, because doing some... rated R, and you can do whatever you want. Like, hey, Brandon, we're shooting... We're rebooting Venom. How would you do it? Uh, I'm going, like, Gangs of New York. Like, right. you know, <laughs> that exactly. type of brutality. Violent, yeah. Brutal and, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of handheld. Like, I don't need superhero stuff with Venom. Like, I want to get to the heart of what makes 
Venom slash Eddie or whichever version they're telling, I want to be grounded on that. Right. And then Venom is, you know, Venom, the symbiote, Venom, the antihero, the Venom, the hero, whatever, is a component of that. But I care about the character. That's what I, that's what I enjoy telling. Those are the movies... Like when it really comes down to it, those are the movies that I just enjoy watching right. and shows that I enjoy watching. Like they have all these cool things around them, space and time travel, but really like Looper is a time travel film, but I don't care for that I film because I don't care for I don't care for that character. Uh, but I like Ryan Johnson because I like I really liked Knives Out. I liked uh, what was the yeah, first one he did? Cool. Brick. Um, yeah, Brick was good. Yeah, like Brick. so. I don't not like it. It's just again, I care. It's character based, character driven, with all these kind of little things around it that I that I really enjoy. Uh, and those are the stories that I want to. So like, if someone said, "Hey, we're doing the Matrix," but that movie, one of the reasons I like it is because you get to know Thomas Anderson and Neo super well. And what who he is before, and then you see his rise to to being Neo. But right. it's a sci-fi setting, but it's all about him. Those that's the stuff that it that really gets me excited. Very cool. Yeah. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on Killer Collab Podcast. Once again, I was joined with Brendan Hyde on this episode. As always, what are you laughing at, Chris? <laughs> Weird voice. My radio voice? Your radio voice. You don't like my radio voice? So you know, obviously that's Chris Leto behind me. And you know, as always, my name is Tony Devin Florida, Tony D. Thank you for joining us on Killer Collab Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Stay happy, stay healthy, get vaccinated. We're almost there.